As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to Prospects to Pros. I'm Andy Staples here with Dane Brugler, the athletics draft guru. We're talking college guys that are about to be drafted, NFL guys that just got drafted, and what we are watching for all week as we move through the football season. Later in the show, we're going to have Nick Baumgartner talking about the quarter of the way all-rookie team, the guys that just got drafted. But now we got to talk about the guys that are getting drafted in 2023. And Dane... This was a, a one to make the coaches who may have picks at the top of the draft a little bit nervous because there's some star power that we, we don't know how they're going to be doing health-wise. Uh, you saw Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, who everybody thinks is a top five type pick, uh, limping off the field. He, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. You also saw Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, uh, one of the guys vying for the QB1 spot in the draft. He came off. He he uh, he gets hit along the sideline. You can tell he hurts his shoulder, but he stays in. The next pass he throws, he instantly grabs his shoulder, walks off, slams his helmet to the ground as he goes in the injury tent. He knew something was up. Uh, it's an AC joint issue. Nick Saban says it's not particularly serious, but they're taking him day to day, and uh, he's not going to let us know if he's going to be playing as Texas A&M this week or not. So. How, the, those NFL teams that are that are drafting high, when they see somebody that, that is somebody they like and somebody they think might be on their board go down like that, what what how do they react to that? How do they handle that? Well, and it's especially interesting with with Bryce Young because I mean, listen, there are quarterbacks that are six four, two hundred and thirty pounds who are dealing with AC joint injuries. But when we're talking about Bryce Young, who the knock on him, it, it's going to be the size. It's going to be durability concerns. And so any injury is just going to mean a little bit more for Bryce Young, even though it's I, I wouldn't say that this injury, this type of injury is specific to his frame and his body type. Right. Um, it's, it's the so, way the way he went down, basically, when you, right. when you brace your arm like that as you fall, you put your AC joint in danger. It happens. Right. And, and, you know, the good news is consider day to day. We'll see. Uh, obviously, Alabama, uh, they've got a big game coming up this weekend against Texas A&M, um, you know, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, the way A&M's playing, I don't think they need Bryce Young to win that game. Uh, so I don't know that this is necessarily going to be uh, a game where they feel like they need to rush Young yeah. back. So. Uh, it'll be interesting. And, and Bryce Young had his helmet in the second half of that game. It, it seemed like in, a, in an emergency situation, they could have put him back out there. But, you know, it wasn't that never got to that point, even though Arkansas tried to make a game of it uh, in the second half. But yeah, it, it's with Bryce Young. He's it, even in the first half of that game. He was so impressive. I mean, I, yeah. I w watching the tape, I, he there was another play uh, earlier in that game where uh, Drew Sanders from Arkansas, the Alabama transfer, was right in his face and pressure. He, he's so good with his pocket presence, with his ability to buy time, uh, get outside the pocket, through a perfect dart down the field. Uh, his receiver, Corey Brooks, dropped it. I mean, yeah. it, that shows up over and over. We talked about it in the Texas game. 
But Bryce Young, even though the numbers won't be as impressive this year as they were last year, he's still doing this amazing stuff out there. So, uh, But it goes back to the size and the durability questions. That's something that if teams have a similar grade with Bryce Young and Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, the lack of size, the fact that he's an outlier in that respect, and then yeah. maybe an injury like this, it could end up maybe moving the needle for, for uh, some of these teams. Yeah, it, 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 probably you default to the bigger guy if it, if it, everything feels equal. Yeah. But you know, it's strange to me because watching Bryce Young and watching Will Levis, and, and obviously they have different talent around them. But if if you said pick one of those two to win you a game right now, I'm picking Bryce Young. Like he's oh yeah. There's no quarterback in college football who is cooler, for lack of a better term, in the pocket no matter what is happening around him. And I think that's that's one of those things. I, like I was watching Levis against Ole Miss, and they got a lot of pressure on him. And you know his footwork, when when he's under pressure, mm. it can get a little janky. And like, you never worry about that with Bryce Young. He, he just, he's, he is always operating at maximum capacity no matter what is happening around him. So uh, hopefully he, he gets well soon. Hopefully he can play. And I think you're right. It, it, Sounded like they could have put him in against Arkansas, uh, but Jalen Milrow had come in and, and they'd, they'd scored 35 points with Jalen Milrow in the game. Uh, anybody looking for the next Jalen Hurts, by the way, uh, yet another <laughs> really fast, big quarterback from Texas playing for Alabama, Jalen Milrow. So keep your eyes on him as, as we go down the line. He is not draft eligible yet, though. And, and real, real quick on Will Levis, who you know, had that a really tough game against Ole Miss where you saw some good things. There are also some, you know, two fumbles that were yep. uh, key uh, parts of that game that uh, you know, kept Kentucky from from the comeback. But uh, you, you, you also on that game, I think you saw a lot of promising things why there will be some teams that have Will Levis higher on the draft board uh, than Bryce Young. It, it's, it's going to happen. And with his toughness, his durability, his ability to take these hits, but then just keep on going – um, and the biggest thing with Will Levis is being able to see things quickly. Uh, the defense pre and post snap, and then the trigger just get the ball out and it hits your man. And he did the, the one t- uh, touchdown he had to the tight end uh, mm-hmm. down in the red zone oh, towards the red zone. It, it was exactly what he needed to do because if he takes a, a half tick longer, uh, the linebacker or safety is breaking that play up. So uh, you know, credit to him for making progress, but. He's still now. The question will be okay. Yeah, if you wanted a quarterback right now to go win you a game, 100%. I agree. It's Bryce Young. If we're talking three years from now, who's that guy going to be? Uh, and there's going to be some teams that say we'll take the upside of Will Levis and what he could be, as opposed to what we think we already know Bryce Young is. So that's it's going to be an interesting discussion that uh, go up, goes throughout the year. Some teams are going to be. Uh, but betting on uh, a guy that maybe, perhaps, possibly could be Josh Allen, or yeah, the guy yeah, that I, I, you know you brought his name up before I could, could be Bryce Young. Yeah. yeah, no, and that's and look, it's it, this isn't a, a recent thing, a Josh Allen thing. You know, Blake Bortles went third overall but it, because it's just teams that it, chased it worked this. out for Josh Allen, and I feel like that's empo- that's going to empower more people to think it can happen. When if you look yeah. at the history of it, Josh Allen's the outlier. Yes. It's the the hit rate is very low on those types of guys that still need a lot of development. Um, you know, it's it, it, look, quarterback is a very inexact science. Okay, yeah. we, we can talk over and over and over again about certain metrics and this and that. It's 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 not it's not a science. It's it never will be. Part yeah. of that is college football is a very different sport than the NFL. Um, you know, it's just, there's so many factors that go into this, that none of these guys are, are easy to project, even a CJ Stroud. Um, it, these guys are, are tough. And so it, it's something that I imagine we'll be talking about almost every show here, uh, until the end. Yeah. And this is, listen, this is what people want this, that they're looking for that next yeah. Josh Allen, it, because look at what Josh Allen does for an offense, you know, yeah. and, and, and will is that kind of athlete. He's a, he's a big jumbo athlete and he he's actually more accurate than josh was that last year at wyoming uh yeah. now in a tougher conference exactly. and, and listen it, we, we can talk all about quarterback wins and whether or not it's a stat you know what it doesn't matter what anybody if we think it's a if quarterback wins is a stat if anybody listening if they believe quarterback wins is a stat 
Do you know who does? A lot of NFL teams. So quarterback's record in college, it's relevant because NFL teams think it's relevant. So we look at Will Levis. Since he became a starter in the SEC, 18 starts, 14 and 4. That will matter quite a bit to NFL Mm -hmm. teams as they look over the resumes. Well, and and the thing is, I think all of these quarterbacks that we're talking about at the very top of the draft, the C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Bryce Young, they're guys that when NFL teams get them in and interview them, they will like them more. They will not find reasons to not like them because of that. And and that's not always the case. Sometimes, you know, there are guys that, you know, Josh Rosen, the the jury was kind of out on him. And Mm -hmm. you see how that went. But these guys will come in and and they will not raise red flags in their interviews. In fact, teams will be like, oh, I like you even better now. So I I think that's, that's really interesting to me in this class because you don't often have that where the intangible pieces are there. On, on all those guys, and you don't really have to question it. If you talk to people around Kentucky, Will Levis, since the moment he set foot on campus as a transfer from, from Penn State, has been that guy that teammates have gravitated toward, uh, has been a good teammate to them, uh, is a leader naturally. And so that's the part I, I'm interested to see because it real, I, I don't think intangibles are going to be the issue with any of these three, so it's going to come down to production potential all that so it's a it's going to be a a very interesting rest of the season because i think kentucky's going to win a lot more games so will levis's qb wins total is going up but i I did want to i did want to move to another position we have not talked about this position much and it's one of those that in the draft it, it has been devalued just because of the sheer violence of the of the position it's it's running back it's you you've got to take so many hits and uh, you know, do you do you devote a high draft pick to a running back? How special does that running back have to be? And I, there's a, a big game this week, Texas-Oklahoma. Oklahoma's playing terribly, but for Texas, you kind of want to see them get over the hump against them. Bijan Robinson, at least just watching college football, feels like maybe the most special back in college football. But what does that mean from an NFL evaluation standpoint? Yeah, and when you look at it, um, for the last how many years, we've had a receiver, probably what going back to Saquon Barkley, we've had a receiver drafted ahead of a running back uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the draft the last you know three, four years. That probably changes this year uh, with Bijan Robinson. I don't think there's a receiver that you say is definitely going to be drafted ahead of him. Now, maybe when it comes, you know, uh, when draft time finally gets here, that'll switch. But right now... There's not a receiver that you can confidently say should be drafted ahead of Bijan Robinson with uh, what he offers a team. Now, not every team's going to be interested in drafting a running back top 15, which is where his talent says he should be drafted. Uh, but for a team that's, you know, think they're a, a an all-around running back away, and that's the thing. If you're going to be drafted in the top 20, top 25, you better be an all-around running back. And Bijan yeah. Robinson absolutely is. He could be on the field in any situation. Um, you know, pass pro, uh, pass uh, catching the football. He's got the, his body type. Everything points to being a workload back. His, in the his NFL. balance is incredible. I, I, oh, it's you can hit him. It's crazy, and and it'll feel like his knee is an inch off the ground, and he will find a way to move a foot out and put a hand down, and he stays up and gains like six more yards. It's crazy. It's and he's very instinctive with his ability to string some of those moves together. It's almost like he's not even worried about that first guy because he knows he can make the first guy, whether it's making a miss or just running right through him because of that balance. Like you said, he's already focused on that second level to set up those moves. So you see, the he's very twitchy with his lower body. The he can make those sharp cuts. Uh, physical, powerful, uh, his balance through contact. Yeah, like you said, it's just, it's something that's really, really impressive. Um, it, it just, he makes it a chore for defenders to get him down. Yeah. Um, I think he's scheme diverse, he's zone heavy scheme, but I don't, there's no reason why he can't be in any scheme in the NFL. And I, I really appreciate how he runs the full running back route tree. So, you know, you see, uh, he'll line up in the slot, he'll run angle routes, he'll run hitches. Uh, he'll do a lot of things that NFL teams are going to want him to do pretty quickly. I, honestly, we're going to be talking about Bajan Robinson similar to how we talked about 
Zeke coming out of Ohio State, yeah. where he could just, on the field, any situation, line him up across on the formation, whatever he wanted to do, he can do that. He's not as special athletically as, like, say, a Saquon Barkley, but he's going to be pretty good, kind of like a Zeke, and then he can do anything in those situations. Well, and, so, And Steve Sarkeesian using him in ways similar to how he used Najee right. Harris at Alabama. I think, you know, people are looking yeah. at that and going, okay, I can see how this translates very easily. And it, it, it will be very interesting to see what he does against Oklahoma. Uh, this is this is one I think the folks in Texas have been waiting for for quite a while. They they they, they feel like this is a, a little bit of vindication, but you got to go out there and do it in the Cotton Bowl surrounded by fried Snickers bars and fried Oreos. And, pretty and that fried Oklahoma everything. defense, uh, they <laughs> reel in a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, at Brent Venables, you know, he just it just kills him to see his defense playing like that. Uh, but I mean, it really. Oh, he can he can make it better though. That some of that is not it's not all ability. It's not you you can you can lay some of it at the feet of of Lincoln Riley and Alex Rich, yeah. the former DC, but not all of it. The, the, the coverage busts against TCU were horrendous mm-hmm. and also avoidable. Like when when you have a safety passing off a receiver to a zone where there is no player in that zone, no defender. That's bad. It's really bad when it happens twice. And you see the quarter. The second time, Max Duggan's eyes were so big. It's a 62-yard pass to Gunnar Henderson. He's just like, I cannot believe they did that again. <laughs> right, right. That's well, and, and honestly, when, when another uh, you know part of this is they don't really have any big-name prospects on that defense. And, no. you know, part of... Part of that is the previous coaching staff not, I don't think, bringing in a lot of those guys and developing them. So we'll have to see that Oklahoma defense. I mean, I, I like Jalen Redmond on the defensive line. I think he could be a, a day three pick. But yeah, after that, it's at least for this upcoming draft, it's hard to get excited about too many of those Oklahoma defenders. Yeah, that that is Britt Venable's mandate is go find some people that you're going to be excited about in the next few years on defense. Yeah. And, and let's be perfectly honest, that's been Oklahoma's issue since Gerald McCoy. You know, they, they just yeah. they, they've had some they've had some linebackers, but they've not had those those really good interior defensive. There's no Tommy Harris walking through that door. So that's that's what they need to do. And and I said to, I'm dating myself saying Tommy Harris like that was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. well, I, I thought you were going to say maybe Roy Williams, Teddy Lehman. So, you know, it, it you know, Teddy the, makes the, me come on his podcast. So I'm going to, you know. I just oh, yeah. 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 Hey, can you come on? Come on my show, man. <laughs> but yeah no, no if you haven't uh, listened to the the oklahoma breakdown with teddy layman and gabe eichert it's it's fantastic oh they they do a good uh, job but i wanted to expand the, this talk of backs uh, there, there's a bunch in the big 10 right now but the, i do want to hit on one in the sec and that's jameer gibbs at alabama we, we mentioned him yeah. before he's a georgia tech transfer but you you were talking about Bijan robinson and, and the diversity of his skill set and what he can do for you in the past game Jameer Gibbs seems like that type of back as well that that can can give you a lot of things. And it was really weird how they were using him the first few games of of the season. Like he didn't have double digit carries until this past Saturday when they didn't have Bryce Young and they really relied on that run game. So uh, it, 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 they used him more as a pass catcher than they did as a running back. But when they gave him chances at running back. All these good things happened against Arkansas. In a three-play span, he had, what, a 72-yarder uh, <laughs> touchdown, yep. a negative one-yard loss, and then a 76-yard uh, touchdown run. So a lot of that, give the offensive line credit, they were opening some huge holes. But the speed that Jameer Gibbs plays with, the vision, his ability to cut and go is really impressive. Um, another guy that just, uh, he, there's a lot of ability there. And we're, we're, you know, he's only 200 pounds, just over 200 pounds. So not as big as ideally you'd want your NFL back to be. So instead of maybe an Alvin Kamara, he's a mini Kamara. But there's a lot in, ter- in terms of making guys miss that that contact balance, the the lower body agility. Um, it, it, there's a lot of things that are, are really impressive uh, with, with Jameer Gibbs. And, and I think it speaks to, uh, you know, this running back class. We could have three or four running backs drafted mm-hmm. in the top 40 or 50 picks. And you know, wow. let usually we don't we don't see that uh, that many guys drafted that high. Um, but when you look at uh, Bijan Robinson, who you know we just talked about, he's a first round talent all day. And then I think there's a little bit of a 
a, a conversation about, okay, who should be that next running back drafted? You've got, you know, Devin A. Chain from Texas A&M, who's fascinating mm-hmm. because he's, he's listed at 185 pounds. So how much bigger can he get? Because, you know, there've been some lighter running backs in the past. You think of, you know, CJ Spiller was a top 10 draft mm-hmm. pick at, coming out of Clemson. He was 196 pounds at the combine that year. Um, Chris Johnson coming out of East Carolina. He was, uh, had that blazing 40 at the combine, became a first round pick. These are all incredible speakers. Devon Chain is an elite Exactly. Well, and that's the thing. If you're going to be under 200 pounds, you better be, you better have speed. And and look, Chris Johnson had over 2,000 all-purpose yards, uh, you know, that one amazing year. And he had a, a pretty solid career. So, uh, you know, I, I think with a Devin A. Chain, if he can get to 190, 195, we start to run out of reasons. Okay, why shouldn't this guy be in that first round top 40 conversation? And then I think also um, along with Jameer Gibbs and then Zach Evans, uh, who transferred to Ole Miss. And, um, you know, he's been okay. He's been good, but I don't, it hasn't been amazing. Um, That's but he's Quint- still Quint- Quint- Jenkins has been very good as a freshman and, and yeah. taking a lot of carries. Right. The, uh, the, the A-chain conversation is interesting. I think the Texas A&M Alabama game will help you mm-hmm. get a sense of, of what sh- what he can do because they've just been handing it to him. You know, Before, they would kind of scheme it up where you, you get him in space. A lot of times now they've realized just hand it to him because he's the best playmaker they have, and it's not close. And once Anaya Smith went down for the season, right. they really had to rely on A-chain. The question is, can he do it against – NFL talent. Well, guess what? He's going to be playing as the defense loaded with NFL talent this week. If they limit him, because I, I always go back to when Urban Meyer was at Florida and he always had those, those, those tiny lightning fast guys like Chris Rainey, Jeff Demps. Jeff Demps was also an elite track guy like, like A-Chain is. And you'd see him, and this was back when Kentucky was bad. Uh, you, you'd see him, they just tear up Kentucky and they tear up some non-conference team. And then they'd have to play LSU. And it's like, where'd they go? And yeah. that's that's the thing with A-Chain. Now, if I were an NFL team considering A-Chain, I would be thinking about all the different things I can do with him. I would not be thinking about, this is a guy I'm just going to hand the ball to. I would be, you know, go, go to the right. Mike Martz, Marshall Falk playbook, and let's figure out a bunch of ways to get this guy the ball in space. But A&M's offense at this point is so limited by it, its own scheme and injuries to quarterback best receiver, you name it, they just got to give him the ball however they can. Well, and that was one of the questions coming in on A-Chain was because uh, he, he did, hadn't done much as a pass catcher up to that point. Um, but the last two weeks against Arkansas, then Mississippi State, uh, not only did he go over 100 yards rushing, but they also started to feed him the football more. And he had 10 targets combined between those two games, yep. which is exactly what NFL teams want to see. They want to see him be a factor um, aside from just, you know, handoffs. And so that Arkansas uh, tape really, and I mean, Jameer Gibbs, the way he terrorized them, maybe Arkansas's defense just isn't, uh, you know, one of the, uh, one of their calling cards this year. And and everybody's going to run all over them. But A-Chain, the way he would string together his cuts was so impressive. Usually when you have sprinters, uh, track guys, it it takes them a second to gear down, Mm -hmm. read, make a cut. Like they're just, they're so used to just sprinting and going as fast as they can. A-Chain, he's one of those guys that he's able to make these split second cuts uh, on a dime and and it really puts these defenders in conflict. So uh, there's just no wasted motion. And and that's something that you don't see a lot with track guys. And that's really impressive. A-Chain is a straight up football player. Like that's that's the thing. You, you, You rarely see that good of a track star be that instinctive of a football player, but he is, he, he absolutely is. Uh, what, another guy I want to talk about is, is Mayan Williams at Ohio mm-hmm. state, because I think we came into the year thinking Trey Henderson was going to be the guy who, who really carried the load for them, but, and he still is kind of the home run threat, but Mayan Williams is, is their workhorse back and <laughs> he's been outstanding. 7.8 yards of carry. Yeah, he just he he's a, a bowling ball of butcher knives just running running <laughs> at you. I mean, he and he he looks like a locomo- locomotive off the tracks, which could be a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, he's a, a yeah. guy that will run over you. He's he's got a little bit of wiggle to him. Um, you know, there are some times where 
especially when you watch the tape and you see the end zone view, uh, he's passing up some holes that he should be hitting. And, you know, so there, there's some things he's still working through. Uh, but man, he's, uh, he, he's a guy that is a tough to bring down and the offensive line, the Ohio state offensive line, they just, yeah. they moved Rutgers wherever they wanted. Uh, especially that, uh, that, that long run Mayan Williams had is like a 70 plus yarder. Uh, you know, they're blocking duo. I mean, Paris Johnson takes, I don't know if it's a linebacker or defensive end. He moved him across the field. Whipler at center goes to the second level, takes out the linebacker, makes him a non-factor. Um, I mean, that offensive line is doing work, and so Mayan Williams certainly taking advantage of it. Credit to him, but yeah, I think Ohio State offensive line deserves a ton of credit for what they're doing as well. well. While we're on that subject, uh, Dewan Jones, yeah, he is massive, and obviously you want your offensive tackles to be big, but you know you talk to NFL people and they're like, well, it's possible to be too big, hmm. and. So with Jones, it seems like at 6'8", 360, he is a phenomenal athlete. Like he moves really well. A lot of times you think, okay, this guy might just, he might be too long, too tall. I mean, I got, Dan Skipper's getting starts in the NFL now at 6'10". So yeah. it, it, it's, and, and then obviously Jonathan Ogden is, is sort of the, the ideal offensive tackle, but he was a freak of nature. But could Dewan Jones at his size be able to play effectively in the NFL. Yeah, we had this conversation a little bit last year with uh, Fall Lele from Minnesota. Uh, yeah. You know, a guy just massive human being. Uh, but how does that translate in terms of movements and being able to uh, be a functional blocker against NFL athletes? And with Dewan Jones, watching his junior tape and then watching his senior tape this year, there's a big difference. I mean, he I give him a ton of credit for making the necessary uh, improvements with his body posture, with his body control. Uh, he's very high cut. His, he has such long legs. Uh, his official measurements, uh, six, eight and a half, 370 pounds. Uh, the arm length is 36 and an eighth, which is bizarre. Uh, hand size, 11 and five eighths, oh, which is the, the biggest hands uh, maybe we've ever seen. And then his wingspan is almost 90 inches, which is uh, uh, crazy. Uh, just absolutely crazy. Um, so, I mean, it, the size right there is, is impressive. It, it makes uh, it makes it tough for blockers to get around him, uh, and it also makes him uh, a really difficult guy in, in the run in the run game because once he gets his hands on you, he can drive you out of the play. Uh, but you know, he's a guy that's playing a lot more with a lot more control this year. Uh, yeah. he, he's he's not never going to be a, a guy that covers. A, a ton of ground with his athleticism, but because he's so wide and he's got this wide base, he can cover a lot of ground. And so um, uh, he, he's just, a, he's playing a, with a lot more control this season than he did last year, which is a great thing to see from him. And he's moving his way up. Uh, you know, we, we were talking about him as maybe a mid round guy before the season. Now, I, I mean, he's putting himself squarely in that day two range. Let's flip to the other side of the ball at Ohio state, because that was their, their Achilles heel last year. They, they defensively just struggled. Now that defense under Jim Knowles, the new coordinator who, by the way, coached uh, Malcolm Rodriguez at, at Oklahoma state last year, uh, they have really turned things around and it looks like some of these players are, are showing up as the kind of prospects. Maybe we thought they'd be in recruiting. Zach Harrison is one for me. You know, I, <laughs> it's the old arrested development line. There's always money in the banana stand. Like Ohio state always has some sort of six, six, 265 pound edge guy. They're just, they, they find them. Where no one else can get them. They get them all, but they don't always play like chase young. They, they, they don't mm -hmm. always show up, but you know, sometimes they just look great. Zach Harrison looks like that. And now he's playing like that. And just, I mean, the traits, alone are remarkable because he's a guy that's going to measure 6'6", 265, and he's going to run in the 4.5s. Wow. I mean, it's just a freak of nature. Uh, I, my, my guess would be 4.5.7. Uh, I'll, I'll put that out there right now as for what he's going to run at the combine. Well, um, we'll, we'll make a bet but, where I have to eat some sort of weird thing. if That's what we do on my <laughs> show. So, Okay. Well, and, and if you're going to be in Indianapolis, maybe, yeah, we go to uh, – St. Elmo's oh. and maybe some. Yeah, uh, I just have to like shoot a cup of St. Elmo. Uh, there you go. Radish yeah. cocktail sauce. There you go. Exactly. Well, while I'm enjoying my cowboy ribeye. Uh, but yeah, exactly. Zach Harrison. Look, this guy is a freak of nature, and no, you don't always see it on the field. 
But uh, I, the game against Rutgers, I think it was a great example. They're playing him a lot more inside as more of like a three technique where he's just bullying those guys. You know, it, he doesn't necessarily need a runway because he's so long. He's so high cut that it almost looks a little awkward at times as he tries to run the arc and, and get around the tackle. Move him inside. Let him use that length that he has, that natural power. And he can create movement. He can beat guys up. And we saw that on the Rutgers tape where... Uh, he finished with two tackles. So maybe he's not a guy you heard a lot on the broadcast, but he forced a fumble, which mm-hmm. if his arms aren't 35 and three-quarter inch long, if they're just 34 inches, he's not making that forced fumble because he's so long he can get his, his hands in there. And then later in the game, he's able to push the guard into the quarterback, get his hands on the quarterback, uh, force a tip, which Steel Chambers then intercepts. So two turnovers caused because of Zach Harrison, even though, again... Only two tackles. I think he only has like nine tackles on the year in five games. So it's not necessarily showing up uh, in terms of the production and the stat sheet. But on the field, you see how uh, impactful he can be. And that's why Zach Harrison, even though he won't have the stats to back it up, uh, he'll still be talked about as a top 50 type of guy because the traits are just so special. Well, let's. you mentioned Steel Chambers, who had a great game. Yeah. We got to talk about him. He's either going to be a linebacker in the NFL or a CIA agent with that name, Steel Chambers. But <laughs> he, he again, the thing about the Ohio State guys, they were all big recruits. Every one of them was pegged to be a superstar, potential first rounder. No. But they don't always grow into that. Steel Chambers seems to be growing into to fit that hype that, that he came in high school with. Wasn't Steel Chambers? Wasn't he in Boogie Nights? If I remember right, I can't. I can't. Those remember. are great uh, names. Yeah, <laughs> those are some great names. Uh, but you mentioned Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, maybe this is his version of Malcolm Rodriguez uh, with the Buckeyes. I mean, Steel Chambers. He he played outstanding at, uh, against uh, against Rutgers on this past weekend. Really physical in the run game. Um, but his his reactionary burst, that twitch, and then that chase speed. He, he's able to make plays uh, that it just chase him down at the line of scrimmage. It's really impressive to watch. So um, there, there are times he's, he's a little undersized. So there are times where he can get sucked up and uh, blockers will cover him up. But as long as he stays free, he will go make plays. And, and it's a really good thing to see. I mean, Steel Chambers was more of an athlete. They played him at running back, uh, made the move to linebacker, uh, kind of the opposite of Cade Stover. Cade Stover goes from linebacker mm-hmm. to offense. Steel Chambers goes from running back to linebacker. And he's turned himself into a uh, legitimate prospect that NFL teams are looking for. He's only a redshirt junior, so you know might not be in this draft class. But whenever he is, um, you know he's a guy we'll be talking about as, as a draftable player. Finance major, very smart guy too. So yeah. this is he's he's one that, that that'll be fun to watch as as he goes forward because he is coming into his own now. And and you're right, it it he was rated as an athlete as a recruit, which means yeah. We don't know where he's going to play. Mm. We, we just we just know he's good at stuff, <laughs> and uh, and that it took it took him a little while to to figure out what what they wanted to do with him. So um, this has been a lot of fun, but we need to talk about the guys that just got drafted. To do that, Dane, we're going to bring on our friend Nick Baumgartner because the quarter of the way all rookie team is out on the athletic, and we got to talk about these guys. So we will be right back with Nick Baumgartner. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. 
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. We are joined now by Nick Baumgartner, one of the foremost experts on everything Michigan. I'm, I'm holding up my hand here. Nick, <laughs> the Nick do you want to point where you are? Uh, in the, uh, like in the pocket of the thumb a little bit. You have to, if, I don't know, you have to flip it. My hand. That's true. Weird. You have to flip it, yes. <laughs> uh, you, you do know how West Virginia does that, right? Uh, no. Have you seen how West Virginia say, is shaped? Uh, I mean, I know how it's shaped. You just shoot the bird hand. and then you can point to where you are. Oh, okay. <laughs> shoot the bird, stick your, your thumb out and you can point to where you are. Perfect, yes. So we, we are talking the quarter season all rookie team. And I tell you what, there's some names on here that when the draft happened, I'm like, these names will definitely be on here. I did not expect to see Bailey Zappi's name on here, Dane. <laughs> well, I mean, the quarterbacks... We weren't sure we were going to have anybody no, to, to put in the, yeah, <laughs> in the all rookie team. Um, you know, we just haven't seen these guys. Yeah, Desmond Ritter hasn't had m many chances to get out there. Malik Willis, uh, Kenny Pickett finally got out there, but right. I don't know if his performance was exactly worthy, right? But you know, <laughs> right. Bailey Zappi, hey, he threw a touchdown pass. He he at least helped the Patriots take the Packers to uh, to overtime in that game. So. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, who, who had Bailey Zappius throwing the first uh, touchdown pass among this rookie yeah. class? He didn't cost them the game, which I think at the end of the day was kind of like, yeah. that's how I looked at it. It was like you threw him into a horrible situation. And he didn't. And Matt Patricia's the offensive coordinator, right? Like, and he didn't cost you the game. So that's not Also, bad. it was a, a classic Key and Peel East-West Bowl matchup. Because right. you, you could just imagine, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Cal, he, he actually was on the East-West Bowl. That's right. And then... Bailey Zappi, Western Kentucky. It, it, it's perfect. And Houston Baptist uh, mixed in. <laughs> and Houston right. Baptist, yeah. let's not forget. <laughs> so, but but let's let's talk about some of these folks that we probably expected. I, the offensive line, I mean, it, it really looks like the teams that drafted offensive linemen in the first round kind of know what they were doing. Tyler Linderbaum, Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, Tyler Smith. It's it it looks like they they evaluated quite well. I think the one thing that I, that stands out is Smith, Dane. I don't know if you would agree, but I mean, a lot of people pointed to him out of camp. Tyler Smith is, you know, looked like they were going to play him at guard, and then of course they had the injury situation. They moved him out to tackle, and it's been a little up and down, I guess, but it's also been pretty good and like better than I think a lot of people thought it would be. Linderbaum and uh, and Kenyon, I think, both had injuries that they shook off, and they've been a little up and down too. But like they're hanging in and playing. But Smith, I think, is maybe the most impressive one that I thought. Of the whole thing, the other guy, uh, Spencer Burford, Buford, Buford, Burford, whatever. I don't. I always forget how to say his name. Would be the other one yeah. um, that maybe could have a, a mention there. No, I, I agree, hundred percent. I mean, that's it, uh, there were what five offensive tackles drafted in, yeah. in the first round, and several top ten. You know, the uh, uh, Evan Neal and Ike McQuanu, um, you know, Charles Cross, and those guys have been. You know, I think Equanu's playing a lot better uh, since his uh, yes. you know debut against Miles Garrett. That was a disaster. Right. Um, you know, and these guys will get better throughout the season. But of those five offensive tackles drafted in the first round, you would point to. I think everyone would have pointed to Tyler Smith as maybe okay. This is going to be the biggest uh, adjustment period required. Mm -hmm. I and mean, they drafted him to be the starting left guard, the right. left tackle, and waiting, like you said. And then Tyron goes down. Maybe for the final time, you know, there's a good chance we never see Tyron Smith in the NFL again. But the way Tyler Smith has stepped up has really been impressive. You look back at Tulsa, he had 12 holding penalties last year alone. He's only had one accepted holding penalty in four games. Um, you see the play strength, you see uh, the movements and that that raw uh, play right. style that we, we saw at Tulsa. It's really been accelerated, that development. So he, he's definitely been one of the biggest surprises uh, I did not expect him to be on this list uh, a quarter no. way into the season. Well, Nick, I, I imagine this guy, because of his his hard knocks fame, <laughs> is not a surprise to people. But, I mean, Rodrigo, Malcolm Rodriguez, yeah. out, of, yeah. out of Oklahoma State, the linebacker for the Lions. How much of a revelation has he been in Detroit? 
I think I think for some people he has been, and for others he hasn't, um, because he was a he was a guy that I know I know Dane liked him too there in the sixth. He was one of our favorite sixth round picks or day three picks really of any team, just because he had those little things about him with the size and everything that you could ding. But I think um, uh, Gundy just said it the other day or a couple months ago, like Malcolm was individually one of the most valuable players in college football last year about what he did hundred you know, percent his whole team. And so when he walks in the door in Detroit and knows everything they're doing. And has that ability to just like, okay, I made a mistake. I'm not making it again. It's pretty simple what, you know, Aaron Glenn asked him to do in the middle there. It really hasn't been that shocking when you sort of unpack it. But it's also like he's the classic example right now of teams trying to figure out what they want to do with linebacker, I think, in general. You got Devin Lloyd on there, too, who's a guy who drafted early. And then you're looking at Malcolm, who's a guy in the six, who's playing just as well. And it's kind of like that's the thing with linebacker right now. He he fits so well with that that yeah. coaching staff, right? I mean the perfect yeah. the toughness, the the grit. You know, I mean he he played I think sixty consecutive games at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of their all time leading tacklers. Uh, there's so much about him that fits that defense and that identity that they're going for. So yeah, that, that he'll definitely he he already has uh, outplayed his draft position. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, he's been their what, best defender probably. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, no, no, another no NFL team has given up more points, right? I mean, right. it's been. Right. Yeah. They've also scored yeah. the most points, I think. So yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's 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 been up and down. But uh, so if, among these rookies, looking at our mm-hmm. all rookie team, which uh, you know you can find on the Athletic right now, um, what what position took you the longest in terms of? Okay, there's a lot of candidates, or maybe not enough. Well, quarterback, I think goes is yeah. not enough candidates. But what position maybe there are too many guys to sort through? Okay, there's oh there's this guy and then this guy. What, yeah. what position took you the longest to, to whittle it down and say, okay, these are the the guys that I'm going with for the for this initial all rookie team? Well, we were just talking about it actually before we got on it. The, the offensive line would be one, but receiver is probably the other. Um, in that you know we don't have Garrett Wilson on on the list. He was a receiving votes, and we have Dotson, uh, Dotson, Drake London, and uh, Olave, who are all you know all three of those guys are making plays. You could argue, you know, in all three cases, they're not exactly playing with uh, Wilson, too. Great quarterbacks or whatever else's situation. But Wilson's been more productive. Uh, Dotson has scored more touchdowns. All of them, though, are making plays. And I think, again, this is more evidence that we talk about every year in the winter and spring that these rookie receivers, these young guys coming out of college are ready to go like way more than they you know, probably used to be. But also, you know, these are top flight guys here. I think all four of those guys that, you know, we have listed there are really good. And that would have been the tougher one that I thought, I don't know. Would you agree on that one or something else? Oh yeah. No, I, I, a hundred percent. It's what there were six receivers drive the top 20. Um, yeah. you know, a guy like Garrett Wilson, who's had a really good, you know, the first four games, really uh, had that breakout game against the Browns, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, Joe Flacco and then Zach Wilson, you know, up and down <laughs> quarterback play. So, and, and he was really expected to be the guy. Uh, that's why they drafted him 10th overall. And I mean, he's responded. He's played well. Uh, he's also been banged up a little bit. He's played through mm-hmm. some some uh, bumps and bruises, but uh, yeah, it's I mean Drake London. How do you you know based off of what he's done so, for the Falcons so far, exactly. based on what Jahan Dotson's done, based off of uh, Chris Olave oh, is God. he's top ten in the NFL in receiving yeah, yeah, right now. Receiver, so yeah. yeah, and you know uh, you know a guy like Traylon Burks, he's been banged up, but maybe he could sneak in there uh, at some point during the season. Uh, Jamison Williams, we hope to see uh, mm-hmm. before this season is over. Uh, and then there were there are a host of day two uh, wide receivers that I think could make some yeah. noise down the stretch. So, yeah, I, I think that not only for this first edition that, that the quarter way mark, but halfway through three quarters way through receiver should be one of the tougher positions to, uh, to parse and, and really figure Absolutely. out. I thought running back was very interesting. It's probably because I live in Gainesville, Florida, and the idea of Damian Pierce being on this list only makes people who live in Gainesville, Florida, more mad at Dan Mullen. But but I I did want to ask Dane about this because Damian Pierce, he was sort of a, a cause celebrity among the fans at Florida because they felt like he didn't get enough carries, that, that he was great. And how do NFL evaluators handle that because I would imagine it probably throws up a red flag when you see somebody who uh, like Damian Pierce has that run against Florida State where his helmet pops off he finishes a run anyway he's not supposed to do that (laughs) but that's kind of who he is and you go oh this guy had when he gets the ball it's it's it looks great but what's the problem like why are they not giving him the ball and sometimes it's just the coaching staff doesn't give him the ball (laughs) 
that's that's it. I, I learned. I, I was taught this at a, uh, when I started, you know, in this business. But never assume just because a, a, someone has a certain title that they know what they're doing. You know, just because yeah, they're a, a head coach in the <laughs> SEC, that doesn't mean they know what they're doing. And you know, Damian Pierce, he actually had he he led the team in carries, even though he had one start last year. So right. even though he didn't officially start the game, he wasn't the first running back on the field. They actually, throughout the course of a game, they gave him more carries because they realized in game that, hey, this guy is our best chance uh, with our offense. But it seems like to start, they were like, no, let's get the other guy a shot. So, uh, yeah. no, Damian Pierce, he was my running back six. And he went to a situ perfect situation. And to, let's be honest, when it comes to running backs, it's all about where you go. It's all about opportunity. Yeah. And he goes to the mm -hmm. Texans where they – had an opportunity there. Uh, kudos to, to Pierce, who was able to uh, secure the job. And it was a little up and down the first three weeks. But this past Sunday, he was had that long 70-plus uh, yard run. Um, but he, he's played well. And he's he's very reliable. Um, yeah, exactly. That's pass pro, catching the ball, uh, ball security. Like he, He's not a big play creator. I, I think of uh, the last two years, he had over 200 carries uh, at Florida only two carries were over 25 yards. So not a guy that has a lot of these big plays. Um, and But at the same time, he's very reliable. And so I think teams really clued in on that and you know, it helped him get drafted a lot higher than maybe his resume said he should have. The efficiency. He's so efficient. like those, And that's what happens, Andy. I think sometimes when we watch those dudes in college that get lost, it's like if you're just efficient and that's it, well, maybe you're not shiny enough, right? And I right. guess that you fall through the cracks. But like – He's in an offense now with Pep Hamilton and everything else that's like, it's perfect. I mean, they're not going to ask him to do things he can't do, and he's really efficient. And that's not – it doesn't have to be harder sometimes than that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm curious how often this happens because it, it, it should happen every year where the guys drafted number one and number two wind up on this list. But it doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. But this year it feels like maybe the two biggest no-brainers – were the guys drafted at number one and number two? That's that's Trevon Walker with the Jags and Aiden Hutchinson with the with the Lions. So, I I I'm just curious how how rare is this that we're that we're seeing the two guys one and two in the draft being basically everything those teams wanted out of them. Well, I, I mean, I think Trevon Walker. You look at the Jags and their success on defense. It all starts with that defensive line, and Trevon Walker has been a big part of that, right? And Nick, I'll be interested. I mean, you're so clued in on right. both Michigan and the Lions. So I'm interested with Aiden Hutchinson. He had that one three-sat game. The other games, I think, right. have been a little more up and down. What do you yeah, think it's really through four games? Yeah. yeah, has he really been – I don't know that he's necessarily been the guy that has – He has and he hasn't, right? Like it's Right. Yeah, he hasn't been everything. He hasn't been everything. And I think Trayvon's the same way. I think, and this was, this spoke to sort of the evaluation that, you know, Dane had and everybody sort of landed on with these guys before the draft, which was like, there's going to be a curve with their pass rush. There's going to be an adjustment and all that. But at the end of the day, you know, they're rookies and they play with great effort and Hutchinson from an effort standpoint and from an all that has been what they, what they want. However, most of his pressures and he has been, I think the most productive guy uh, amongst the rookie edges in terms of uh, pressures. I don't think Carl Loftus has a sack yet, although he's he's close to up there. But it, you know he's been inconsistent. He's worn out some. Uh, his pressures have mostly been inside against guards and you know inside a tackle. He hasn't won outside. He struggled with length at times. I think there's adjustments that he has to make. But I don't I don't think I would say he's playing bad. I don't think I'd say he's playing poorly. And I don't think Trayvon. You know, same thing with him. I mean, he's certainly not either. Um, it's just life in in the NFL right now. I think for a rookie at that spot is hard. Yeah, I, I just I can't imagine the jump, yeah. especially when you're you're dealing with NFL offensive tackles, because you're you're gonna see, even in a good league like the Big Ten, you might see two of those guys. Yeah, right. During the season, once a year, and yeah. it's a totally different vibe when you that's all you're seeing every day, every week. So, uh, the other position I wanted to talk about because it, it's it's got a couple of guys that Dane and I we seem to talk about every week on this show because they're these were two of my favorites last year in college and uh, love watching them succeed in the NFL. And that's a safety. You got Jaquan Brisker for the bears, Jalen Petrie for the Texans, uh, Brisker out of Penn state, Petrie out of Baylor, just guys that are always around the ball. I think with 
Brisker, uh, you know, he's a guy that went maybe a little bit later than we thought. I, I thought he mm-hmm. was could have gone easily in the top 40. And, um, you know, he slipped a little bit uh, more towards pick 50. Uh, but he's been a guy that I think you just think of a bear safety. Uh, that's that's Jaquan Brisker. Uh, and so that makes a lot of sense. And with Petrie, a guy that, uh, you know, is so versatile. We talked about him a lot in the lead up to the draft and then after the draft. What he's been for that Texans defense uh, has been really important. So, I mean, was there even a, a question for you, Nick, with these safeties? Was it just those two guys and then everybody else? Or uh, what you think? I mean, I think Hamilton. Was? I think Kyle Hamilton, you know, the, all they ask him to do, and it's been, you know, I'm I, up and down like all these guys are going to be as, as a rookie. But I think all they ask Hamilton to do and 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 what he's been able to sort of, I guess, adjust to as he kind of goes forward here. I would say he's he was he was in our other receiving boats, but really Brisker and Peachy were the dudes, and Brisker has yeah. been the guy I think that we've looked at the most and said like that was a really good pick, probably the best pick the Bears made, maybe the only so far. I don't know if there's other- <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, pretty good. Kyler Gordon, I think, has been yeah. Uh, he was I think a little overdraft. That never made sense to me why he was talked about in first round uh, conversation, top twenty five, um, and so far he is he's not played well. Now maybe he'll be able to turn that around. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. I. Give me one guy that did not make this, maybe even a guy that didn't receive votes uh, for this mm. quarter mark uh, that you think will show up either halfway through, three quarters way through. Uh, give me a rookie that yeah. we didn't talk about yet that you think is going to have a maybe a better second half than first half. One guy, one guy that he did receive votes, but I think he probably maybe should have been on the team was uh, Dylan Parham the, uh, with mm. Vegas Raiders center, um, who I believe is is he playing guard or center? He's playing. I don't know what he's playing right now, but he has been it's center, right? He's been inside. He's been good. He's been good. Yeah. He's steady. He came off the bench. I don't think he started the season. I think they've had injuries, all that sort of thing. I haven't watched a ton of his, but the 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 few things I have seen, uh, I haven't watched every game yet, but he's been solid. And he was really good in college. Um, and I think he's a guy that the more time he gets, you know, the better that could look in time. Well, I, I I will tell you the the Michael Clemens and DeMarvin Leal being on the other, others receiving votes on the D line explaining a lot about what I'm writing about on the co- in the college space mm-hmm. right now, Texas A&M and, and some of their struggles. That's uh, those guys maybe weren't as productive in college as they could have been. And now yeah, you're seeing sure. them play very well in the NFL. Yeah. And they couldn't play quarterback either. So that also hurt. <laughs> That's uh, exactly right. <laughs> have you guys, have you guys talked about Jimbo's $86 million buyout yet or once or twice? It, it's oh been a little, you know, here and there. And, and maybe an entire show uh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Well, one, one other uh, rookie I think we do need to mention, too. Uh, Jamari Sawyer. Uh, this, yeah, yeah. That's he, he, he had the biggest gap from where, for me, where I had him ranked and then where he was actually drafted. There was 141 picks between those mm-hmm. two. Um, he didn't play the first three weeks. Right. Uh, Rashawn Slater gets hurt. At you know, season-ending injury, bicep injury, the sky is falling for Chargers fans. Jamari right. Sawyer comes in at left tackle where he started at Georgia. Now I, I graded him as a guard. I think that's his best long-term position. But he steps in at left tackle, doesn't give up a pressure. I mean, it it, oh, it, it pitches a really shutout good. against the Texans. And I mean, uh, give give a lot of credit to Jamari Sawyer for the way he stepped in like that. And I, it's not going to be that pretty. Uh, every week, but I mean, he had maybe the best rookie debut of any offensive lineman since I don't, maybe Rashawn Slater last year for the Chargers. Yeah. So we I, put him I, on the list, Dane. We have him on the list. Yeah, I think we could. Yeah. We were like, screw it, put him on there because that was amazing. Has to like be. he was like <laughs> what he did well, last week. And yeah. it's yeah. interesting because so many guys on the Georgia defense got so much attention last year, and, and we talk about them winning a national title because of that defense, and, and the defense was amazing, but. Jamari Sawyer was maybe the most important player on that offense oh, yeah. last year. Time. He was like, there's a, there's a great clip of Kirby Smart talking to the team at halftime of the Florida game, just, you know, just lighting them up. And like, and, he, and he's trying to, you know, get him going to just beat Florida's ass in the second half. And he's talking to Jamari the entire time. Like, you get yeah, these right. guys up, you do this. And it, it was, uh, it was great to see him get in there and do that because he was one of those that he was a big time recruit. You know, he he got into a starting role, but was not really a star on Georgia's offensive line until 
toward the end of the career. He had to earn it. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that was <laughs> that was vindication right there. On, on so some... I mean, the ability to go in and play without fear, I think that speaks to what he went through in college a little bit. Yeah. Because that's what it was. I mean, he no fear. And that's impressive. Yeah. Well, and you think about who's, a... who's dealing with it practice. Like Jermaine Johnson was at Georgia yeah. for a couple of years. Uh, right. You know, he's he's got all those dudes. Yeah. yeah right. Jordan Davis well, is there. They you know that they're not he'll play him in one on ones and stuff like that. So you've you've dealt with everything you're going to deal with in the NFL there. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, right. and, and just just this, the SEC uh, in general, I mean, he, general, he gave up yeah. one sack in his entire college career, and that was to Will Anderson, who, yeah. you know, <laughs> he's okay. you're, you're not he's ashamed of that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, I, he's a classic case of maybe just guys, uh, a scout, maybe overthinking it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I checked around, and uh, so the teams that I talked to, they didn't say there was a major injury concern. It was just, you know, he's, he's six, three squatty body, mm -hmm. three twenty. um, you know, looks like a guard, but, uh, you know, there's some questions there. Um, so he's Isaiah Wynn is what you're saying. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he, but yeah, he's just, he's effective, you know, it's yeah. like, even if at some point it, it, listen, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, but you know, at some point you just have to say, okay, can he play football? You know, we can exactly. break down the individual parts and the traits and does he hit this benchmark? Does he hit exactly what you're looking for arm length wise and this and that, but at the same time, especially playing now, if you're, it's harder to do that when you're talking about a, maybe a small school player or, or whatever, but when you're going up against top tier competition week in week out, uh, a guy like Jamari Sawyer, when all he is is productive and getting the job done, I mean, at the very worst, you're talking about a guy that goes in the mid-rounds, fourth, fifth round. How he fell to the sixth just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's crazy. I agree. Well, it, it it's going to be fun to see these guys develop, and, and I cannot wait for the, the halfway mark all-rookie team. It's I can't believe a quarter of the season's gone. It feels like it just started. <laughs> but we uh, we got a lot to talk about. Nick, I appreciate it. Are, are you going to get Dan Campbell a, a, a Starbucks on the way to Lions uh, practice? Uh, Dan Campbell's got like all sorts of uh, heat coming his way for the first time. The fan, the folks are furious here after last Sunday's. Uh, wait, 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 debacle. wait. They, they're not after the they, they put up. They, they gave up forty-eight anymore. at home and lost. <laughs> what? Yeah. So mm. no, no coffee for Dan yet. They got to get a win here. I think at some point. It's it, it's amazing how fast that comes at you once you start yeah, showing know, right? some confidence. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Nick Baumgartner, thank you so much. You bet, guys. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you to Nick Baumgartner for joining us and go check out the quarter of the way all rookie team at the athletic Dane. We got to talk about what games we are looking forward to this week. There, there's some big ones in college football, a uh, couple quarterbacks. I want to see against the particular competition that they are facing uh, Tennessee's hen and hooker. They're going to LSU probably still not going to have Cedric Tillman, their best receiver because he had that ankle tightrope surgery a couple weeks ago. They're, they're trying to get him back and, and, and want to have him back when, when they play Alabama and Georgia. Don't think they're going to have him back this week. But Hendon Hooker can, can make a lot of hay here against an LSU defense that just terrorized Mississippi State's Will Rogers a couple weeks ago. If, if Hendon Hooker can stand up to that pass rush and deliver the ball to Brew McCoy and, and his other, other receivers, I think it'll go a long way to help him. Yeah, no doubt. And we, we, we talked about it last week, how Hendon Hooker was, uh, you know, really helping himself in terms of uh, being, you know, who's going to be that second senior quarterback drafted after Will Levis and Hooker's, the way he played against Florida, the way he's played all year. Uh, he, he's and going back to last year, not turning the ball over, uh, playing smart football, getting the ball in the end zone. 
uh, you know, doing that at LSU, uh, who, you know, coming off a, a comeback win over Auburn, DJ Audrey uh, can get after the quarterback. So if, if Tennessee can block Audrey uh, I, I think Hendon Hooker could have a good, nice, uh, nice night. I there. think Hendon Hooker right. might it's have afternoon, to get away right? from Ojo, BJ Ojolari himself a few times. So yeah. we'll, we'll we'll find out. The other quarterback I'm excited to see is Cam Ward at Washington State. They're playing USC. Uh, USC's defense has been a turnover-producing machine this season. Yeah. So Cam Ward will need to protect the football. But I think you've seen Oregon State pushed USC to the brink. It was because of four interceptions that – that USC won that game. Protect the ball, and some of these Pac-12 teams can beat USC. And so we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with when Cam Ward gets a, a shot at that defense. Yeah, and Cam Ward's a guy that I think the buzz is. There's definitely a buzz uh, with what he could be as a as a prospect. Um, he's still turning the ball over way too much. I think he's already has like seven interceptions this year. And like you mentioned that USC defense likes to, if you're going to give them opportunities, they're going to make you pay for it. So this would be a good test for him taking that next step. All right. So there, there was a, uh, a matchup in the big 10 that you were interested in because there's a running back putting up massive numbers and now he's got to face a, a defense that just does not let you run at all. Yeah. I mean, you look at chase Brown, uh, look it, Interesting story is he's from Canada. He started at Western Michigan, then he transfers to Illinois to be with his twin brother. Uh, and this is, you know, his his final year. He's a he's a fifth year senior, and he's leading the all of college football in rushing. And so, uh, you know, like you said, you know, it's one thing to do it against Wisconsin, okay, but what can he do going up against this Iowa defense that you know they really pride themselves on stopping the run? Jack Campbell right there in the middle. Um, it, it'll be a really good test for Chase Brown, who has turned himself into a late round pick PFA into, Hey, moving him up, moving him up. Uh, there's a lot of things to like about him as a runner. Yeah. Eight, a lot of volume from him that I know yeah. they played a week zero game, but he's already got 120 carries. So he is, he has been a workhorse wow. for them, but it, it's, it, that one's going to be good. Cause I, the Iowa defense feels like a good litmus test. Like you got to see Blake Corum mm -hmm. against him last week and i thought i thought blake did all right uh but mm -hmm. but the iowa defense did kind of buckle up after that first drive where they got a little pushed around and so excited about that uh this is going to be a fun week of college football dane uh, a lot of eating for me i am uh bringing uh, so ari wasserman my co-host on the andy staple show has not done he's not covered a, a an on-campus big sec football game and so we we circled the Alabama Texas A&M game early this year, and it was because of the Nick Saban Jimbo Fisher feud. We figured, oh, he's got this whole WWE style thing right. going on. Nobody's talking about that right now because Bryce Young's hurt and A&M's offense stinks. And so the A&M people are just like, we're just just tell us when the buyout <laughs> the buyout's eighty five million dollars. Just please please make it work. And so that's all anybody's talking about. But we're we're introducing Ari to the culture of the SEC. So he got to get to hang out with a, a Texas A&M yell leader, which you can listen to that mm -hmm. on, on my show. Uh, I'm, I, I, I took him to uh, Republic Steakhouse in College Station. Uh, you can see on my Twitter feed the comparison of our steaks. It looks like my steak is his steak's daddy. Um, what do you get, a filet? He got a filet and I got a 30-ounce ribeye. Oh, yeah. Bone in? Uh, no, it was no. bone out. I was a little surprised by that. But this, so it was... It was that heavy with a, no bone. No oh bone. Goodness. And at four in the morning, I was meat sweating and regretting <laughs> just a little bit. Just a, just a tiny yeah. bit. Not not, yeah. not a ton. You, you ate it all in one sitting? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, sides? Uh, I had a couple fries. Uh, there, there, we had a, yeah. a cherry bourbon bacon appetizer. I had that. And then I had a couple bites of this peanut butter chocolate cake for dessert. Not Not the whole thing. Just a couple bites. Wow. So what a champ. Yeah, it's Jeez. it's not good. It since I lost all this weight, I, I it's been a while because I I still think I can do these things that I used to do. <laughs> like I used to bounce back right. from that, no problem. I, th this is a struggle because the, the plan for this day, we were recording here on a on a Tuesday. The plan for this day is to pick up barbecue on our way out of town because we got to drive to Mississippi now. And there's a, a good new barbecue place that, that a lot of folks have told me about called 1775, and I want to try it. I just don't know when I'm going to be ready to eat it. <laughs> that's that's the problem. 
right? No, it's, it kind of sounds like my five-year-old asking me to go on the trampoline with her. Yeah, things that you used to be able to do, uh, not not quite as easy uh, these days. But I mean, look, it's good that you're introducing them to all these different uh, foods because it's living living in Texas for ten years, like I did. Finding out that there's more to barbecue than just hot dogs and hamburgers, things like that. Uh, I mean, that that really opened my eyes and it just expanded my horizons in a big well, way. Well, and you went native, right? I mean, you were smoking briskets and and learning. I mean, got, no, the, the, I, the Texas I'm, I'm Trinity became raised, something sacred. No, in your I'm house. born born and raised in Ohio, so like I did not know did not know you know just how big barbecue could be until I moved there and you know got really in. Uh, got engulfed in the culture, but it's, uh, you know, it's something that I, I brought with me back to Ohio yeah. uh, because it was that, that important to me. So. Well, so later in the week, we're, we're going to be in Tuscaloosa for the game. There's a place in Tuscaloosa, my favorite ribs in America. It's it's actually in Northport, which is the one town over. It's about two miles from, from Bryant-Denny Stadium. It's called Archibald's Ribs. It's on MLK in Northport. It looks like some guy's house, and it's been there since the 60s. And they just make incredible ribs. It's one of those places, you know, they they'll they'll run out and be like, "Well, we'll reopen in eight hours." And that's yeah, you, yeah. it's hit or miss. You got to make sure you actually get some. But that's one I, I I'm excited for him to get to try. Well, that's the mark of a good barbecue place is you know they close when when they're uh, out. They run out of food. You yeah. know that's just yeah that's how it works. Uh, sauce or no sauce guy for your ribs? I am I am no sauce. I, I think sauce yes. is is just used to cover mistakes in cooking. So thank you. exactly. Now, that's if exactly you want right. to if, if you, you, you want to do the glaze, like if you want to do a like a candy coated glaze where you you sauce them yeah. during the cook and you want that candy mm-hmm. crust, I'm okay with that. But I also think it can be done without it. Yeah, hundred percent, and, and that will help it keep it moist, and it's not, um, you know, not going to dry out. That'll help it at times. So yeah, there's, I, I like that. But yeah, there's, there's no need to. Uh, like my wife is a big sauce. She loves sauce, and so, but I, I refuse on our ribs. I, I, when I put Good. ribs in the smoker, there's, there's no sauce. And then okay, afterwards, here, here's a cup of sauce. If you want to, if you want to do it afterwards uh, at your plate, that's fine. But when it's on the smoker, no, no sauce. So. Well, that's what when when I went to Tennessee for my first job and was introduced to to Memphis style ribs, where the, the it's dry rub and and that's pretty much it. That's where I was like, oh, this is so much better. Like you, you don't you yeah. don't need to drown these things in sauce. It, if if you do it at home and and it, you didn't have the best cook in the world, yeah, I, I can see dunking in a little sauce, but no, nah, it it the the meat can stand on its own, especially if you got a good rub. So. We're gonna we're gonna introduce Ari to all that. I will send you some pictures, Dane. Uh, to make you very jealous. And we we just need to do this. Like before the draft. We, yes. Why don't we dip into the Robert Mays budget? There we go. I know maybe it a, exists. It's, like there's a, a Robert Mays slush fund. Yeah. Pro day road trip where we just hit up all yes. the pro days and yeah, pro day like tour it. that is ostensibly about you and I going to pro days, but really we go to barbecue places. Yeah, done. I love it. All right. All right, so uh, our producer Marissa, I know she she knows some folks at the at the football show, uh, can get us some access to that Robert Mays slush fund. So let's make this happen. Perfect. This was the Athletic Football Show.